Good morning, everyone. It is so nice to see you. And I met so many guests that came in today in our services, and that's always exciting. You know what really excites me is when I meet a guest that one of you bring. Folks come up and say, hey, this is a friend of mine from work, or this is my brother, this is my sister, this is my husband. That's always really exciting because we're the bridge, and it is our mission to reach out to people and be God's bridge to people everywhere. That's always exciting. Don't forget to invite people to come. Remember, in the lobby, we have these invitation cards. They're like a business card. They're all over the lobby. You can take one, and I'm using them really successfully. Everywhere I go, just say, hey, come out to the bridge. Come and visit the bridge. And people ask me about it, and folks have come. And so get those and use those to invite your friends. We are the bridge, and again, to all our guests, maybe you came in after the welcome earlier in the service, we welcome you to the second of our three services, we're glad you're here. And today, we want to be God's bridge to you, a span across the gap of where you are right now to where God has created you to be. This morning, I'm going to finish up a series that I began just after the first of the year called Jumpstart. Jumpstart your life, jettison your junk. We're trying to, at the beginning of another year, jumpstart our life by getting rid of some of the baggage in our life that we've been carrying around for days, weeks, months, maybe even years. And so we've been talking about getting rid of some stuff out of our life so that we can start the year fresh. I don't have time to review everything that we've talked about, but you can go online and listen to any message at gobridgechurch.org, or you can get the series in the back. But I encourage you to to really listen to it if you missed any of the, uh, the messages, because they're really practical to help you get rid of some stuff in your life that might be holding you back. The theme verse has been Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul writes to believers in, in the city of Galatia, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Remember, Jesus died on the cross to set us free, to give us a different kind of life, to give us a different hope, a different peace. And so Paul says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, sometimes we put a yoke on ourselves. We re-enslave ourselves to depression and discouragement and hopelessness by embracing so many of the characteristics that characterized our life before we came to faith in Christ. So those are the things we've been getting rid of during this series. Today I'm going to encourage you to jettison your clutter. Jettison your clutter. Ecclesiastes 10.15 says, a fool's work wearies him. He he does not know his way to town. What Scripture's saying here is that we can get so busy in life doing so many things that we're chasing ourselves in a circle. It says a fool's work wearies him. He doesn't even know how to get to town anymore. His, His life is so confused. It's so messed up. There's so many things in life that, that you lose your perspective. You lose your reference point. Too many of us have too much clutter in our lives. It's really true. We have too much clutter for our marriages. Where's our married folks today? Raise your hand. You're married. All right. Let me ask you, when you're talking to your spouse, what are you talking about? Are you talking about how much you love each other? You're talking about about how you want to grow old together or what you want to do when you grow old together? Maybe you are old right now together. What are you talking about? You know what I'd bet money on? If I was a betting man, you're talking about the clutter in your life. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about this and that and where we got to go and what we got to do and this and that and the other. We're talking about the clutter in our life. We're not talking about stuff that builds our relationship. We got too much clutter for our kids. I love it in Deuteronomy, one of the early books of the Bible. Moses is inspired by God to encourage 
believing parents, godly parents on how to raise their children. I'll paraphrase it and modernize it for you. But he says something like this. He says, he says, Mom and Dad, when you get up in the morning, you're having your fruit loops with your kids at the breakfast table. Just talk with them and tell them about God. So when you're driving them to school and you're walking somewhere, talk about God and about how God is an important part of your life. And all day long, talk about him. And before you go to bed tonight, talk about God and talk about family and life. Well, is that what we're doing, parents? I'll bet you we're talking about clutter, aren't we? All right, you got to get to bed, got to get your homework done, you got to get this done, because tomorrow we have dance, tomorrow we have soccer, tomorrow we have this, tomorrow we have that, tomorrow we got, hey, clutter. See, we got too much clutter in our life to really enjoy our children and to train them in the values that we say that we embrace and that we want them to live their life by. We have too much time for our friends. How many times have we got together with some friends, and we said, oh, we, we just got to do this more often. This is crazy. It's been too long since we did this last time. We, we got to go out and have dinner again. Come on, come on we, we need to have you over. We, we need to and, and what happens? We don't do it. Why don't we do it? Because there's too much clutter in our lives. We have too much clutter for ourselves. What do you love to do? What's your passion? If you could just be yourself and be by yourself, what would you do? Maybe you love to paint. Maybe you love to garden. Maybe you love some sport. or Maybe you love to read a book. What do you love to do? What do you like to do that refreshes yourself, recharges your batteries? Well, why aren't you doing it? How come you're not doing it? One word. What's the word? Clutter, right? But maybe most importantly, we have two much clutter in our lives for God. Michael Zigarelli is the dean of the School of Business at Regent University in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And Regent University is a Christian-based university. He's the author of many books, and one of the books he wrote is Freedom from Busyness. And in his book, Michael Zigarelli says this, For too many Christians, the busyness and pace of our lives are primary obstacles to living the life God wants us to live. When we look back in our old age, many of us will regret how busy lives crowded out God, crowded out the people we love, crowded out joyful service, and crowded out the quality of life God wanted to give us. I really think that's true. As I look at my life, as I'm entering in my twilight years, I, I, I can identify with that. And we look back at life and we go, what, what did I spend my life on? What did my life amount to? I wish I would have had more time for God. I wish I would have had more time for my family. I wish I would have had more time for you fill in the blank. Write this down. You can't love in a hurry. You can't love in a hurry. Now, I know right now you think, well, what in the world does that have to do with clutter? It has everything to do with clutter. You can't love in a hurry. One day, some religious leaders approached Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 22, they asked him a question. They said, teacher, what is the greatest of all the commandments? See, we think of commandments, we think of the Ten Commandments, the tablets, the stones that Moses brought down from the mount. But remember, in, in Jewish religious society and culture, there was over 600 commandments that they were expected to follow as they worshiped God Jehovah. 
And so they were always looking for kind of the Reader's Digest version. They were always looking for the teacher, the, the, the rabbi that could tell them, all right, do this and you're going to be okay. So they go to Jesus and they say, what's the greatest? And Jesus replies to them in Matthew 22, verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus said, you, you want to know what, what to do? If God could choose you to do anything, if God would give you any directive, he'd say, this is first and foremost, love God. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In another gospel, it says, with all your strength. Now, let me tell you, we can't love God in a hurry. And that's what we try to do. We try to love God in a hurry. There's so much other clutter, so much clutter in our life that we don't have time to love God. We don't have time to cultivate the relationship with God that God wants to enjoy with us. We're short-circuiting our relationship. See, because there's just too much in our life. Now, almost without any interruption at all, Jesus, by the way, goes on to say, and the second greatest commandment is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, that, love God. But the second is almost as great as that one, and that is love your neighbors. In other words, love others. Then look what Jesus says. He says, all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, Jesus said, everything God has revealed in Scripture, everything God has revealed through the inspiration of the authors of Scripture hang on these two truths. Love God. Love others. Love God. Love others. Say it with me. Love God. Love others. You want to know what God's passion is? Say it again. Love God. Love others. But see, you can't love people in a hurry. You can't do that in a hurry. We can't love God. We can't love others with our spare time, with our spare energy. We've got to devote ourselves to that. And so, say, how can I make time to love God and to love people? Well, you got to jettison some of your clutter. You got to get rid of some of the junk, some of the stuff in our lives that's eating up our time, eating up our resources, eating up our energy. Say, well, how do I do that? Well, you got to learn to just say no. You got to learn to just say no no to some things. You got to say no to some of the things that represent or cause the clutter that's consuming our time and our energy and our resources. I'm going to give you a list of some of them, but the list isn't extensive. But here's a place to start. Here's a place to evaluate yourself. Here's a place to start looking and see where you need to eliminate some clutter. Just say no. Say no to what? Well, first say no to perfectionism. Just say no to perfectionism. Michael Zigarelli, again, in his book, perfectionists are great people. They're the people who usually get stuff right. They're the people you can count on to deliver great work almost every time. They do much more than ask of them to ensure excellent. Unfortunately, they pay the price. For all the wonderful things our perfectionism offers, it's often unnecessary. Sometimes, he says, it's even detrimental. 
he concludes, there are times when our work needs to be completely error-free. But not every task needs to be performed at that level. Recognize that good enough is a relative standard that depends on the task at hand. Sometimes 80% of our best is actually better stewardship than 100%. So what he's saying is some of us are perfectionists. I won't ask you to raise your hands. But I will readily confess to you that I am not one of you. See, perfectionists have to do everything 100%. And Michael says sometimes that's not good stewardship. What is stewardship? How we use the resources God gives us, our time, our talents, our money, our energy. Sometimes good enough is good enough. This afternoon I have some a married couple cousins that are visiting me from Cleveland. And Stella is up in Georgia this weekend with our new granddaughter and helping our, our, my, my daughter-in-law out with the baby in that. Now, I don't know what is more anxious with Stella right now, the fact whether she won't be here to visit with them or the fact that she's having to entrust what our house looks like to me. <laughs> I think it's the latter. Because I keep getting texts, and don't forget, and don't forget, and don't forget, and don't forget. See, Stella is our detail person in our relationship. I live in the land of good enough. And I live happily ever after in the land of good enough. I remember in our early days, and Stella has come so far in, in putting into her life what we're talking about right now, about bringing balance into this whole thing of being a perfectionist. When we were in our early years, I swear to you, a brain surgeon could have spontaneously come into our house on any floor, any table in the house, and immediately done surgery because the house wasn't clean. It was constantly sanitized. See, I don't, I don't live like that. And, and, and she's found balance with that too. But, but, but it's an illustration. Listen, the house doesn't have to be Lysol-smelling, sanitized. Good enough is clean. And we can take that to so many areas of our lives. And for a perfectionist, that's hard because God wired you that way. And it's not a, it's not a sin to be a perfectionist. But if you're a perfectionist, you've got to understand that you don't have to be perfect in everything. Everything in life doesn't have to reach that 100% standard of excellence. you got to build in a little room for people like me. We're good enough is good enough. It's okay. The world's not going to stop. The kids aren't going to die. Good enough is good enough, see? Because by being a perfectionist, you're using time to, 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 in minutiae that isn't necessary, and wherever you're using time, you're taking time away from someplace else and someone else. Maybe you're taking time away from loving God. Maybe you're taking time away from loving others. So you got to say no to perfectionism. you got to say no to overspending. Psalm 127, verse 2, the first part of verse 2 says, In vain you rise up early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. In other words, what the psalm is saying is, is what characterizes so, many, so much of so many of our lives is that we spend all day long working, all day long concerned about making more, doing more, having more. And we get up in the morning thinking about it. We spend the whole day thinking about it. We go to bed thinking about it at night. And that is a constant cycle that we're stuck in of working harder and more and more so that we can have more and more. 
so that we can have, and sometimes we say, well, it's for the kids. Well, it's for you. It's for somebody else. But the end result is we get caught in this, this cycle of chasing stuff. John, one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus in one of his New Testament manuscripts that we call First John, in chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, he says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, is John saying that you don't love God if you love the things of the world? No. What he's saying is what we're talking about now. He's saying that if you're so obsessed with the stuff of this life, if you're so obsessed with materialism, if you're so obsessed with getting more and, and, and with title and, and all of that, then you are robbing time of building a relationship with God. In other words, God is not priority. It's not that you don't love God. Is that God is getting squeezed out. He goes on to say, in verse 16, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. In other words, if life is all about, hey, I want that and I want that and I got to work hard because I want to raise that and, and I need promotions so that people know I'm successful and that's what all of our life is about, then understand, that's not coming from God. God isn't, when you're at night and your, your head is pillowed on your sleep, speaking into your ear, get more stuff, get more stuff, get more stuff. He's not saying be more successful, be more successful, get that promotion, get that promotion. Now, there's nothing wrong with all of that unless what? Unless it's out of balance. Unless it's keeping us from loving God and loving people. He concludes by saying, in verse 17, 1 John 2, the world and all its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. See, all that stuff passes away. When we stand before Jesus Christ someday and give an account of ourselves, or just meet him, forget judgment, none of us are going to be saying, you know, Jesus, I, I just wish I could have got more at Sears. Jesus, I just wish I could have got that BMW. Jesus, I, I just wish I could have got that promotion and had that, that corner office up there. None of us are going to be saying that. Why? Because that stuff will cease to have any value at all to us and to Jesus. But see, we, that's what we break our necks to achieve in this life, forgetting that there is a life to come. Say no to that perpetual cycle of more and more and trying to climb higher and higher in the ladder. Say no to technology. Now here is one of the biggest areas of clutter in so many lives today. Technology. Deborah Dinasenso, who's the president of All Learnatives, says this. Many people feel stressed and overwhelmed because they're overconnected. As a result of the never-ending ways that people can access us any time of the day or night, we feel perpetually connected to our work. In other words, what Deborah's saying is, is that, that here's the life that so many of us live. We are so connected to our technology, and our technology is so connected to our lifestyle that we can never rest because we're constantly on call. We're constantly having to respond to people because I have that little cell phone. I've got, I've got, that, I've got that iPad. I've got that Surface. I've got, I've got everything, and, and when it goes, bloop, bloop, I've got to answer. I've got to get it. I've got to have it. I got to know. See, we, we, we need to get balance in our technological lives. Let me give you some, some quick suggestions. 
One is don't give out your cell phone number freely. Don't give it to everyone in the world. Can I tell you how much I love you? I really do. I love you. I love you. I love this church. I love you. But you're not getting my cell phone number. Uh Uh-uh. No. Why? Because I don't love you. I don't want to talk. No, I'll talk with you. Call. We'll make an appointment. I'll meet you at Starbucks. We'll have coffee together. You can take me to Ruth Chris for dinner. (laughs) But you're not getting my cell phone. Why? Because I've got to guard my time so that I have time to love God. And so I have time to love others and I'm not constantly being interrupted. With that technology, turn off your cell phone when you shouldn't be or don't want to be interrupted. You've got to build into your life sometimes when that thing's not controlling you. I mean, we see it. We've become cell phone addicts. We're sitting there at a table, you know, and, and it's sitting there at the table when we're eating our dinner at night. And it's just sitting there, and all of a sudden, bloop. You know, the sound, we're like Pavlov's dogs. Bloop. Gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta know who's calling. Gotta know what the message is. You know, turn the stupid thing off. Leave it in the other room where you can't hear. Bloop. Don't take a cell phone to appointment or occasion when you need to be focusing on someone else. One of the most growing, rude behaviors of modern times is immediately, instantaneously responding to our technology. I, I, I swear, you could be in, in the passions of love, and that could boop, boop, and it's all done. How many times have we hurt people? How many times have we said to someone, you're not as important as that little box sitting there on the table? You're not as important as this thing in my pocket. You're not as important as this thing in my purse. Because the minute it rings, it has our full attention. And they don't. You know what it's like? Have you ever come up and you're shaking someone's hand and they're looking over your shoulder at someone behind them? How does that make you feel? They're not in touch with me. They don't care about me. That's exactly what we do when we put this ahead of really loving people or really loving God. Arrange for calls from work to, after work to be in cases of emergency only. Just say, hey, listen, I'm not available 24 hours a day. I'm available at this time and only emergencies and your emergency may not constitute an emergency to me. So you've got to build in some boundaries and simplify your online life too. Because it's not just answering the phone. It's Facebook. It's Twitter. It's I've got to do this. I've got to do that. i got to do this. Oh, so we're going to set down before Jesus someday. Yeah, I didn't have time to serve you because I was on Facebook. I didn't have time to, 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 to really get involved in reading my Bible because I was really had a lot of people tweeting is that what really? See, we got to say no to technology. Don't let it control our lives. We control technology. Technology doesn't control us. And we certainly can't let it get in the way of loving God and loving people. Also got to say no to the kids. Now, I didn't say, say no to having kids. I said say no to the kids. Michael Zigarelli again. 
Many a mom and dad in the new millennium is more attendant than parent, shuttling kids daily from activity to activity, yielding regularly to their cries of fast food, cooking them separate meals because they won't eat what's put in front of them, photographing and videotaping every square inch of childhood. Some call it overindulgence, others call it overparenting. Regardless of the label, it's overloading parents as never before. What's he saying? He's saying more modern parents are really attendants. They're not parents. They're chauffeurs. They're daytime planners. They're doing all this for their kids. It's one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. There's never a break. It's cooking multiple meals because they won't eat the one that was prepared for the family. How crazy is this stuff, right? If you stop and think about it. My dad used to say, we'd sit down, we'd look at the, at the table, and maybe it wasn't our favorite meal. My dad said, don't worry about it. There's a meal going to come tomorrow morning. If you don't like this one, there's another one tomorrow. See? But seriously, I mean, who's controlling who today? Do our kids really need to be in 15 extracurricular activities? I mean, think about our schedule. I'm single parents, I don't know how you do it. I mean, when, when, when couples are still together, it's like, okay, now you drop Susie off here, and when you drop Susie off there, I'm going to take Timmy over to here. Now, S S Sally has to go over here at this time, but Sally's starting later, so you drop off Timmy, I'll drop, and then you, know, you got to go pick up Sally, though, because Sally comes out later, earlier than, and, and we're like, our whole day is consumed with this stuff, and it's day after day after day after day. What is that doing to our kids? Well, they have to have the best of everything, but is that the best of everything? is teaching them to run their lives in a crazy fashion and to overload their schedules, is that parenting? You know, sometimes you just got to say, no, we're taking a break from soccer this particular time. No, we're not going to take ballet. So you say, well, but, but they love something. Well, then let them do the thing they love, but they're probably in 10 things that they don't really care about. A lot of them are in stuff you love. They don't like it at all. Say no to all of that. Say no to the kids. Say no to toxic relationships. Here's another one. Toxic relationships that demand so much of our time and so much of our energy. Daphne Stevens, who's a psychotherapist, says this. Getting control of your life may also mean more than just getting rid of stuff. It may also mean getting rid of people, too. Overexposure to negative or toxic people. Instead, nurture the relationships that support you. In my life experience, basically, I've discovered there's two kinds of people. There's VIPs, very inspiring people. These are people, when you just think about them, you think about their face, you almost kind of break into a smile. And you go, wow, they're just, just so cool. And they're encouraging and they're inspiring and, and you get together and you can't wait to see each other. And, and it's always, you leave, you go, wow, that was just so good. We got to do that again really soon. And they're, they're just people that are builders in life and they're encouragers. And we just leave feeling refreshed. Our batteries recharge after spending time with them. Then there's VDPs, very draining people. <laughs> this is like, you know, you, you come home from work, guys, and and your wife says, now remember, we're having dinner with the Joneses tonight. It's Friday night. You go, oh, man, is that tonight? We're having dinner with the Joneses? Really, we got to go there? Can't we, like, be sick or something, you know? I I'm not really feeling good. 
no, we got to go. They've been playing this for a month, and she's, went, and she's made this. Okay. And then you say, you know, you're driving over. You say, okay, now, what's the earliest we can get out of here without appearing overly rude and insensitive? I said, well, we're having dinner. I mean, we got to at least spend a couple hours. All right, okay. So you get there at 7 o'clock, and you say hi, and you start talking. And man, the evening's going on. You, you, you just can't take it anymore. And you look at your watch, and it's 7.20. I got, I got to get out of here. You know, I can't breathe. Why? Because they're draining. They're just sucking the life and sucking the energy out of you. Everything's negative and everything's, you know. Say, we got to bring balance. Now, yes, Scripture says that we're supposed to be a bridge to people. We're trying to reach out to them. But we've got to have balance with that, folks. We can't let them pull the life out of us. And ruin our life and ruin other relationships. See, because if we spend too much time with toxic people, what's going to happen? We're going to become toxic. We're going to be the couple when other people say, oh, do we got to go to the Tokars tonight? Or really, how long do we have to stay before we can get out? See, we'll become the toxic people. So you got to have balance in those relationships. Say no to toxic relationships. Jettison your clock. Now, basically, in summary, what we're saying is, is we got to reevaluate our lifestyles, and we need to downsize a little bit. We just got too much in our lives. Think about your life. Think about your schedule. Some of you just have too much in there. Are you really able to love God the way that it takes time to love God? Are you really able to, to expend your time and energy into loving people, especially your family? Or is stuff? consuming you. Let me just give you a couple of real quick ones. Enjoy what you have. That's one of the secrets. Just enjoy what you have. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. You know why? Because you already have a lot. Every uh, year, Silver Lakes, the development that I live in out west, uh, they do an annual garage sale. You're only allowed to have one garage sale a year, and it's the annual big garage sale. So this year was a couple weeks ago, and Stella wanted to get rid of stuff, and so she had stuff out there, and I was out helping her one morning, Saturday, and and I thought, you know what? I'm going to sell some of my shirts. I got too many shirts. So I went in the house, and I just started taking shirts off the rack that I hadn't worn in a long time, and I took them out there to the garage sale and hung them up. And I went back in after selling a bunch of shirts, I went back in there, and there was still hardly any room in my closet. Because, I mean, every time I take a shirt, i got to iron it because they're all pressed together, you know. I just got too much stuff, and yet I'm going to go to Penny's and say, hey, I need that shirt. Man, that's a nice shirt, you know. Do I need that shirt? I'll tell you who needs shirts. People in Haiti need shirts. People in Ecuador need shirts. I'm going to take more shirts out and send them on these, with these mission teams. See, be happy with what we have. We always want more. And we just become unhappy with that someday. Remember last time you, you bought your brand new car? You took that car home and it had that new car smell. Man, it smells good, that new car smell. I love that new car smell. You like that new car smell? And you're driving that car home and, and you're playing with all the new technology buttons and all that kind of stuff. Man, look at this and you're showing all your friends what your new car has and even has seat warmers. Why do we need seat warmers in Florida? <laughs> you know? But we got all this stuff. And man, it was the greatest thing in the world until about five months later and five payments later. Right? Five payments later, now it's not such a neat thing anymore. Not be, man, I gotta pay it again. It just seems like I just paid it yesterday. See? See, we have a lot. Don't get caught up with wanting more. Paul, 
One of the greatest Christians who have ever lived said, I've learned how to be content with little, and I've had to be content with a lot. In other words, don't let stuff drive our contentment. Don't let stuff drive our relationships. Make love preeminent. If you do that, you're not going to miss what life is all about because that's what God said. Jesus said, love God, love others. He said, all the commandments are built on those two things. So if you're doing those two things, if you're setting your calendar, if you're using your resources in such ways that is building your relationship with God and building your relationship with others and loving people, then you're going to be okay when you stand before the Lord. Generally, just reprioritize your life and put God on top. Put God on top of it all. Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other stuff will be added as well. Why? Because God knows what we need. God really knows what will give us satisfaction and happiness. And he'll make sure we have that. It's when we want more and more and more that we become less happy with what we have and, and we're willing to sacrifice our love of God and our love of others to get that stuff. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Maybe that's you. Maybe you came in here today and you're stressed out. Maybe you came and you got just, feels like you're, you're carrying around a, a backpack filled with rocks. And life is heavy. Jesus said, you know what, come to me. I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. Remember Galatians 5.1 said, don't take on you the yoke of slavery once again. Don't take that burden on yourself again. Jesus said, take my yoke. Do you know what a yoke is? A yoke is that wooden thing they put over oxen or over cattle that pulls the plow. It's that, it's that thing that puts it around their neck. And Jesus said, listen, you're going to put a heavy yoke on yourself with all the stuff and all this junk and culture and life. He said, my yoke you live your life for me. Put me first. My yoke is light. It won't be a burden to you. He said, I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what you need. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? Then finally, Jesus warns in Mark eight thirty six: what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his own soul? Here's the real danger. There are people who are going to live their entire life in pursuit of stuff, in pursuit of personal advancement and title, and fame, recognition. They're going to live their entire life in pursuit of what culture tells us will satisfy us. And they're going to lose their own soul in the process. They're going to lose their own soul. Never forget Every day we need to remind ourselves that life is preparation for eternity. This is practice for what's to come. This is when we determine what our eternal experience is going to be like as far as what kind of rewards we get for loving God and loving others. But not loving God, not loving others isn't what will damn us to a godless eternity it's not to having taken care of our sin issue. See, because that's what damns us. Not our behavior, but the fact that we're still under the consequence of our sin. But here's the good news. Jesus died on the cross to take care of that issue. 
Jesus died on the cross to become sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us that through him we might be declared righteous. We might become the righteousness of God. In other words, God, because we believe in Jesus Christ and we transfer our confidence of ourselves, and we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him and we no longer depend on our goodness or any denomination or any world religion. We just say it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Romans 10.9, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised from the dead, we'll be saved. That's all it takes. And God will give us the gift of eternal life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's bow our heads. Maybe you're here today, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're not quite sure what's going to happen to you when this life ends. If there's a heaven, you hope you're going there. But what are you hoping on? What are you building that hope on? And right now, God is speaking to you. Through just his presence, just a still voice. But you know God's speaking to you. And right now, God is saying to your spirit, he's bearing witness with your soul, that the words that I'm speaking right now are true. And that you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never done that. You don't know where you're going to spend eternity. But now you do know because Scripture has declared to you that if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. Right now, no one looking around. Every head bowed, please. Don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want to compromise your integrity. But maybe you're here today and you're that man, you're that woman I'm talking about. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior, but you know you need to. Well, no one's looking around. Would you just, so I can pray for you, would you slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pete. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I've never trusted him. But I know, I want to. I want to go to heaven. From the show of hands, everyone here is a believer. I hope that's true. So I'm going to turn my attention to believers now. Maybe you're here today and this particular message hit home. And, and, and the Holy Spirit of God has, has been talking to you during this message about the clutter in your life. And you, you want to get rid of some of that clutter. And you'd like me to pray for you that God will empower you to do exactly that. Again, I won't embarrass you, I won't call your name, but you just slip your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me, yeah, 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 go ahead. Yep. Put them up, yeah. Okay, hands going up all over the auditorium. Let's do that right now. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you're a God of honesty and that you, you, you tell it like it is. Your word tells it like it is. You, you, you visit us where we live. And so many of us, all of us have clutter. But some of us, it's just out of control. And I know that you have impressed that on some men and women's hearts because a bunch of them raised their hands just a moment ago. And I am praying for them right now. God, I pray that you will have your presence in their life right now. And I pray that you will, like, illuminate that negative clutter in their life. Just let it jump out in their minds. May it grab their attention. May they say, yeah, that's out of control. That's out of control. That's out of balance. I, I, I need to bring it back into control because it's keeping me from loving God and loving others because I can't love God in a hurry and I can't love others in a hurry. And, God, I pray that you will give them now not only the, the identification of it, 
but Lord, that you will give them the perseverance to do something about it, to do a little surgery in their life and say, okay, this has got to stop, and it's going to stop right now. God, bless them and love them. Help them find that balance so that they can love you and love others. And the result of that is going to be for every person to feel better about life, feel better about their relationship with you, and to have purpose in their life once again. Bless them, love them. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.